This is Coda Radio, episode 320, recorded July 30th, 2018. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two great sponsors, Linux Academy and DigitalOcean. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as your show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is that wise wizard, for some reason, down in the swamps of Florida. Why, yes, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Mm, in the swamps avoiding the plague, I am. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're on the way to recovery. Are you feeling better? You're not, are you? You're not. I can no. tell. You're not. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get for being a time traveler. You know what? I told you, if you stopped traveling through time, you wouldn't have these issues. Also, also, if you didn't use the life energy of other people around you to keep you healthy, then you wouldn't also be suffering from this problem. So it's really kind of your own fault. Can't blame the kids if you think about it, Mr. Dominic. Can't blame D- Damn them. vampirism gets me every time. Yep, that's what happens. So uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this week's episode because, as you know, I stalk you um, on Twitter. Not in real life yet, but I do stalk you on Twitter. And uh, you are um, you're possessed with the devil, is what I've determined. And you will never be uh, around any of my hardware uh, you or your offspring, apparently. Um, so not only did you kill a MacBook uh, in the last week, but uh, you also melted a Galago. And I, I'm really curious how this happened. So it's like, picture the bottom of Mike's Galago, like sort of deformed inwards, right about where I would imagine the base of the trackpad is, like un- yes. like at the yes, bottom. right on the tree, yeah. <laughs> does it still work, the trackpad? Does it still work? It does. Um, so... This may be more complicated than my usual. I melted the laptop. I'm not. Con- I'm not convinced that I actually melted it, well, or that I melted it first. Oh, so what do you I, mean? So when I tweeted that, I had assumed that the uh, deformation there was just heat. But then my wife later on in the day said, "Oh yeah, Reese knocked over your laptop. Reese is my two year old. Knocked over your laptop because of course, like all good developers, I was coding at our little island bar in the kitchen." So what I think happened now this now we're in, we're in, we're in like true detective mode here. I think he knocked it over, dented it, broke the seal, and then the heat melted some sort of adhesive. Oh, that's what I'm seeing coming out of it. it. Okay. Right, I kept using it and I that's Cuz it's kind of oozing something white. It's oozing. Yeah. Right. So I think that's what actually happened. It was it was a team effort, uh, kind of a Batman and Robin situation. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I ordered a new Galago because. Now I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? What? What was that? I didn't. I didn't say anything. I. I just. You know. I. I. I started twitching. My hands started shaking. Uh, I called this number in Colorado. Spoke to a guy, and I don't know. I ordered a Galago. Really? I mean. Great. Like I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Uh it is so great. Um let's just do it one more time. Really? <laughs> it's so good. Um God damn it. <laughs> so I don't understand this purchase. Not that I don't uh, think the Galago is a good machine, but I wouldn't say you have been the biggest fan of your Galago. In fact, it's inspired a couple of other migrations and you've always gone back and uh I was surprised when I heard it. 
But I know you do have a big fondness for System76, and you like that business relationship that you have with them. So I, I grok well, the— you know, they're, they're making America great again. I had to do it. Sorry. So, but this is machines—anyways. I'm just yeah. curious on, on what, the, what the rationale was behind it, as uh, I myself am just a few days away from pulling the trigger on my, my new laptop in a long time. So I would be curious to see what you get. I, I, I also, I made a decision uh, bet- between the show and the last one. I am giving up on the laptop dream. So the reason I ordered, I ordered the uh, Galago with the matte screen, just 1080p, not not the 3K one. It's uh, two models newer than the one I had, so the battery life is better, and it's only 14 inches, although my previous one was 13. The reason for that is real simple. Planes are small, and when you travel a lot, you cannot open a 15-inch MacBook Pro on an airplane. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also opted for I, mean, I think i we have the configuration somewhere on twitter a pretty modest build it's 16 gigs with a normal um 250 ssd yeah the drive didn't surprise me but the 16 gigs kind of did although you you did go you did go with a pretty decent four core cpu yeah i went with the high cpu um and that's that's it so that machine is basically a travel machine yeah um, it's small. It's hopefully the battery life is good. Um, so you know it's what? two generations. It's two generations of potential improvements. There, it sounds the like potential improvements. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's starting to come together now. Yeah. And you're right about the uh, boy. Is that not something I saw? Pretty much the only people successfully using laptops on the plane were MacBook Air users. Um, right. That I saw right. in the last couple trips. So yeah, I I completely I completely agree. Plus, you have been finding Pop OS to be pretty attractive, right? Yeah, I'm actually like the Dell I was using as my workstation. I think I mentioned the last show um, is running Pop as well, and it's actually running a flight simulator full time with like a trigger and throttle hooked up um, to test some software I'm writing for a product we're going to be coming out with that integrates with said flight simulator. Mm. So yeah. the problem with that is that machine is now basically just dedicated for that purpose. I am I am dangerously close to pulling the trigger on a Lenovo T four eighty. It's a fourteen inch laptop, um, and the big appeal for me is that, like you, this is a travel machine, and the intention behind it is to be able to do show prep and audio editing while traveling. And um, also use it as like a remote broadcast machine. We have a system we, we're using now that is a peer-to-peer WebRTC Opus codec system, um, but it uses an intense amount of CPU. So it needs to be an i7, and it needs to have Thunderbolt 3, and it needs to have an Ethernet port. Those are my requirements, and it needs to be smaller than a 15-inch laptop. And when I when I went through that list of full Thunderbolt 3 with USB-C charging, because I have recording stations where I can sit down, and it's one USB-C-style Thunderbolt cable, I plug in, and on the other end of that is the laptop power. It is all of the recording hardware, like a DBX286 interface, it, uh, an, and an audio interface, and a, um, depending on the location, like a headphone amp and things like that, that are all just one cord that comes into the laptop. And then I can open up Audacity or Reaper on my laptop and record wherever I'm at. 
and I can open up the Opus P2P system and start chatting with the host. And I need, I just need a system that's powerful enough to do that and can survive for a while on battery. Because one of the things that happens when I'm at remote locations is they have very noisy power. Plus, I want to edit while traveling in, the, in a plane. What so, do you mean noisy power? Well, have you ever like tried to record audio and you've heard like a buzzing, like a static sounding buzzing in the background? Like a yeah, hissing. is that what that is? Yeah, yeah, that oh. is bad power. And it's, it's a lot of times it's like a, there's like a ground loop problem. It's stuff that doesn't really affect equipment that's not, that's not recording equipment. And just the easy button solution is don't plug in. And um, I know that sounds ridiculous for recording, but some of these laptops, and in the case of this one, it, it's coming with a six-cell, 72-watt-hour battery that it claims will last a very long time, even under Linux. But on top of that, it also has a built-in three-cell battery. And um, they don't call it that. They call it like a power bridge, <laughs> is what Lenovo calls it. But what it really is, is an integrated three-cell battery in the laptop that is non-removable. And then they have a removable six-cell battery that you can hot-swap while using the three-cell battery. And the three-cell battery will still give you probably about the power of maybe just short of what your Galago is going to get, just natively, with the built-in battery. And then you can attach an additional... You can you can attach more batteries as you need. So that is very appealing to me because that's how I used to use my laptops back in the day when laptops yeah. were much more modular. And that was a workflow that did work for me. So I know that would work for me again. Plus, you got the 14-inch screen... Plus, you got the built-in Ethernet. Plus, you got the fact that I've 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 been told from a little birdie at Red Hat that this is the machine of choice at Red Hat now. This is what they're deploying for new hires. This is the this is the default Red Hat workstation, which means it's probably going to have great Linux support. So, with all of that put together, I've decided that's the machine I'm probably going to pull the trigger on. And that's I'm you know pretty. I'm I'm just really hungry for a good keyboard too. Like I want a good keyboard again. I think the Galago's got a pretty good one, you know. But just like recently, I, I just that's something that I just feel like as a as a tool that I'm using for my job, it needs to be something that's decent. And there's just and no ports. excuse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> that's good too. Right. Just you know, I was thinking about it like because because the Galago. Like, this computer makes a ton of sense. In fact, modular batteries for the win. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah, and charging over USB-C and still right. having Ethernet, dude. That's big for me because I'm yeah. transferring very large files. These project files are gigs, you know, and doing that over Wi-Fi is brutal. Yeah, one of the things I, I, I liked about even my old Galago was that you don't have to do the dongle. Hey, yes. you're going to somebody's like, do you have the dongle for your HDMI thing? Because yeah. I need to, like, right. do this power. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about Ethernet for my line of work and yours too with the with the podcast is Ethernet is always more reliable than wireless when you're doing live VoIP because it's uh, it's it is very it is very susceptible to interruptions. It's very much a real time thing, and so uh, radio dropouts or radio interference can just happen, especially on a busy Wi-Fi network. That was a big problem I had at Linux Academy. Is there was at one point there was like 80 people on the AP I was using. And so I had to go off and get myself on MiFi just to get myself out of that busy Wi-Fi network because the VoIP calls were starting to drop packets. And so an Ethernet connection in the laptop I'll be using to connect back to the studio is vital. And I'd much prefer not to have it hanging off of a dongle. I'd much prefer to have it built in on the PCI bus, uh, actual gigabit. Um, and the whole thing, the laptop, thing, that's the other thing. 
the laptop starts at uh, 800 bucks, and when I'm done, it's going to be around 17, 1800. It's still cheaper than a MacBook Pro. I'm not saying it's comparable in all the ways or the build or the screen, but for the functionality that I need and for the fact that I want Linux support, I just to me, it's just this it seems like a no-brainer. And then you have the battery swapping on top of it. So that's what I'm thinking about. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'm thinking about the ThinkPad T480 to replace my XPS 13, which it's the reason why I haven't even pulled the trigger on the T480 is because the XPS 13 has been one of the best computers I have ever owned. I paid full price for that machine, own it outright, and I would do it again. It was such a solid, it has been. It's what I've been using on my trips it's great. It's the perfect size. It's a gorgeous screen. I don't know why. Not I, I just everybody should be at Infinity Displays, but it doesn't have Ethernet. And I was considering like a USB C dongle, but the truth of the matter is, I'd really rather have it built in. And so the battery swap and the Ethernet are putting the T four eighty over for me. So there you go. That's my that's my hardware thought. So when you mentioned Galago. It kind of t- it kind of like tickled something to me because I'm like you know maybe I should be considering the Galago again, but I think I'm set on the T480 still. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that looks like a solid choice. I mean, I'm sure the Galago will be fine for me too. But it's interesting. So it seems like we've both internalized the we're just going to buy a laptop that's good to travel and like yes, and then the it, my workstation back back home at my home office or it's a studio office, it's not my home, my studio office. Uh, is where I will probably have like a bigger GPU and 32 gigs of RAM, for example, which is exactly the scenario right now. Right. And large screen. Oh, this is all Apple's fault, really. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. So uh, when do you get your new hardware? I don't know. I'm supposed to get it this week. I uh, did the rush assembly because next week I'm traveling. Mm-mm. Oh, really? Where are you going? North Carolina. Oh, boy. You know, you know, you and me. We're traveling maniacs these days. We are. Do we need I'm to driving, worry about though. production schedule at all? Or is it... Uh, no, we don't. Good. I like I that. leave on Tuesday. We're getting yeah. pretty good at that. You notice? Yeah. Like, you both, both, we've been traveling and still doing the show. I mean, last week we missed an episode because you were sick. But, you know, that's that's not because of travel. Well, maybe, but <laughs> it's not because we were traveling. No, that's because children are... Monsters. Just, yeah, yeah, I don't even know what to say. Well, I'll, I'll mention do.co slash coder. Go to do co slash coder to get a $100 credit at DigitalOcean. They have powerful infrastructure with enterprise-grade SSDs that are insanely fast. 40 gigabit connections coming to the hypervisor, data centers all over the world, documentation for days, and a dashboard to die for with an API that does everything the dashboard does with great documentation. DigitalOcean is doing a full-fledged attack on the market here. They're really checking all of the boxes. They have a great system, incredible performance, one-click deployment of applications, and an easy way to get started if you're an expert or a beginner. And I don't say that lightly because it's one thing to have that as a goal. It's another thing to actually be able to say, if you've been deploying servers for 15 years or if you've never deployed a server, you're going to find things about the dashboard you find intuitive and you like. That's a massive accomplishment. And the reason why I think it's worth drawing attention to is because it means the tools get out of your way. They facilitate your project. Maybe it's the next big thing you're going to put in production. Maybe it's something you want to test. Maybe, like in my case, something I do almost on a weekly basis is I just want to experiment with something for a few hours. Just try something out I've been reading about. I want to get my hands on it so that way when I talk about it in the shows, I've actually tried it. You know, and I, I just I get curious. That's my way of playing with computers. I do that more than I game or anything. So I just try stuff out. And with our credit, when you go to do.co slash coder, well, you can try stuff out with a $100 credit for 60 days. You could deploy their systems with 
hundreds of gigs of RAM, or massively powerful direct CPUs. There's so many options, but whatever you choose is going to have a 40 gigabit hypervisor connection, SSDs for days that are super fast, enterprise grade, and a dashboard that brings it all together. So get started by going to do.co slash coder, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program, do.co slash coder. I was just checking our titles, chatroom slacking. Chat room, you are slacking. I know it's a hot mess in that title board right now, but you need to get in there and you need to get banging. Come on. Coder Radio Show is live. And if you don't title it, then who's gonna? Why else be live? We just do this thing off air, right? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, Mr. Dominic, I've been reviewing the news and it seems there is still a bit of hype around uh, these blockchain IPOs, these cloud thing like there's like these these cloud uh, ICOs that they're calling them. There's still a lot of uh, uh, crypto hype around uh, like these the, these shops that come up and say, we're going to build uh, blah, blah, blah on blockchain. And like f- as a thought experiment, if you were to announce today the Mad Botter and you were to say that Alice is powered by blockchain. You would probably notice a lot of PR interest. Uh, as we record right now, the price of Bitcoin is starting to climb back up again. Oh, yay, good. And it's at $8,000. And um, uh, several companies today announced funding around building technology around uh, Bitcoin payments and blockchain. So you just, you know, got to consider adding blockchain to the Mad Botter and uh, you could go big. Yeah, I know. I'm the only guy in the world who I, I just like don't get blockchain. Still. It does feel like it's cooled though, right? Like the hype has cooled, right? It's slowed by a pretty, I think, perceivable amount. Yeah, but I think we're getting to that that part of the hype cycle where it's like noun plus blockchain, right? You're going to have a lot of people. Uh, what would, I, wonder, I saw something. I wonder too if we're not in the phase where people are building out their things. And then you'll start seeing announcements like, uh, you know, in a year from right. now, because, you know, it takes, it takes a long time to build software. It takes and a long so time to build stuff. Yeah. Somebody will get their MVP out and it'll be all built around blockchain. And, you know, you really think of it as a, as a public ledger in a way. And that's where, that's where there's interest is it's one public thing where like IBM and HP could agree on the information that's in that blockchain because it's a it's like a third-party non-biased ledger that everybody has a copy of. And so the idea is that there's a lot of potential for like business-to-business contracts and um, uh, other things like that where you don't have to worry about trust. Like it's a third-party public blockchain where everything's verifiable by crypto. And so everybody just says, okay, yeah, that's a legitimate transaction. We agree. And there's banks looking at this as a way to transfer funds between large financial institutions and things like that that might otherwise be competitors. So that's where some of the hype is still, it seems strong. I know, isn't that weird? Like that's, out of all of this talk about like, you know, overthrowing the financial system and all of this. Right, right. That's the blockchain talk I remember. You know, it's funny. Well, you know this because we we both were around. There was this... uh, like in the mid 2000s, early 2000s, like all this like uh, anonymous and like, you know, tech pseudo anarchist tech people are going to take over the world hype. And then it just died or it feels like it just kind of died. Yeah. Um, but I have a theory. Do you want to hear my crazy theory? And it I relates do. to blockchain. The tech people took over the world. Unfortunately, the tech person in question is Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, yeah. It's not our tux... Guy Fox mask wearing friends. It's uh, and he has no interest in it. It would disrupt his. Uh, it would disrupt. Yeah. 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 It might be. I, don't know. I mean, one thing I, I I did think would be a cool application for blockchain, and I'm 
actively soliciting someone who listens to do this for me, please. For some reason, a certain parcel delivery service hmm. um, that is fond of, uh, let's just say, neutral colors, can't seem to get packages to my office on time. Uh, or at all. It would be great to have some sort of blockchain application where I could verify every step that that package took. Yeah. Right? In every hand, and every... Just... Can someone do that? While we're right? on that, you know what's driving me crazy? And uh, it's a... it's a, I think it's a... It, it leads to the, the assumption that somebody has stolen my packages is I think they contract out to these independent delivery people on the weekends and... Um, they sometimes, when they arrive in an entire area or something, I don't know, they mark a package as delivered. And so then the Amazon app sends a push notification to my phone mm. and I walk out on the porch to go get my package and there's no package. I have a push notification saying my thing has been delivered, but there's no package. And sometimes it's several hours. Like, you know, I get the push notification at 1 p.m. and it doesn't show up on my porch until 6 p.m. That was the first time. And I, I almost reported it as lost or stolen. I know it's a weird thing, but it's a small, like, it's a it's a first world problem, but it feels like something that existing technology could solve. <laughs> like, we don't, like, we, like, so, this started happening. We already had the tools to solve this problem before they started doing this. So I will find a link for the show notes. Believe it or not, the, the, the porch pirates, I'm sure you've heard of this, right? Yeah, where people steal your packages off your porch, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's such a problem in the Tampa area down here that the city of Tampa ended up part, put up a prize for for tech companies uh, and again, a couple are participating. I, I'm not, but to find some sort of solution to this tremendous problem. Hmm. Apparently, the Tampa police are getting daily calls at like some oh. laptop or phone or whatever. That's why they care. That's right, and it's costing the city just a ton of money to like you know you got a something was stolen, you have to file a police report. Yeah, follow up. You know, this is why Amazon bought Ring. You know, the Ring Video right. doorbell, and they, how are they ever going to get into anything super valuable if they don't solve this problem? I mean, think about like super expensive watches and prescription medication and things like that that have a very high value. That people started seeing the types of boxes that prescription pills show up in. Amazon well, sure. just bought an online pharmacy a couple of months ago or yeah. a month ago. Um, they have to solve this problem. So I think uh, IoT, uh, the Echo devices, the Ring video doorbells, and all of that are what they're eventually moving towards, where there'll be verifiable deliveries by Amazon, where there'll be video records of the delivery person dropping off the package. And in some cases, you'll even just authorize them to just open the door. They already have a pilot program for that, where you can have a whole system. Is You have to buy it from Amazon. And they the delivery people have what's called the Amazon Key, and they can unlock your door and drop off the package. The camera turns on when the door opens. It sends you a clip of the of the of it all happening. And of course the echo plays a role somehow in this whole thing. They're already experimenting with that in a small pilot program right now. And so it seems to me like they've got to solve this problem and they're gonna to try to solve it with software. Just like they're solving the shopping problem. They have two stores. They have one that they already have open, and a second one they're opening here in Seattle, these grocery stores, these like they're not quite grocery stores, they're like corner stores that you go in and there's no checker. You just Buy the, you just grab the stuff off the shelf and image recognition and facial recognition and RFID and all of that just figures out what you took off the shelf and they bill your account. Same problem they're trying to solve there is they're trying to use imaging and RFID and what they know about you and your past purchases to determine your behavior and what you bought and to make sure, yep, that sounds right. We should be charging them for that. And you never have to, you never have to go through a line. You never have to check out. 
And the whole, I think they're trying to take that same approach to delivery packages and losing them. They're trying to solve it with software and a bit of hardware. And then knowing about like your past performance of if you, how many things you've reported is missing before the average rates for your neighborhood and all of that kind of stuff. And then they're going to, they're going to suss it all together. And I think that's going to be their attempt to control this whole thing. And they'll probably eventually have Amazon delivery. That's just a Amazon branded delivery company. That's the, the future. Drones. Let's not forget the drones. Yeah, right. Or just uh, they could drop them just uh, from orbit in one of the Bezos rockets. <laughs> Bezos. So, so is is the moral of the story? Let Bezos not only into your heart but your house. Uh, I think we already have. I think we already have. We have That's to. Amazon is an interesting, an interesting machine. Um, I've gotten just a couple of small peeks behind the curtain. A few times, like doing interviews or talking to audience members or getting a tour of one of their data centers off the record. And every time I have to completely reframe what I think of as scale and how uh, how far a company is willing to go to accomplish things. It's I think it's it's a weird thing. I, I get I get these weird glimpses to Amazon. I go, holy shit, this is the company we should all be thinking and talking about. Like we talk about Microsoft and we talk about Apple but it's really Amazon. And uh, yeah, anyways, that's just, uh, but that's a, that's an old soapbox of mine. I don't have to get on. I think Coder Radio audience is probably familiar with that. What do you think about AI? You think it's been overhyped? Do you think it's been oversold? That's the argument that's being making made over on The Guardian. They write that the discourse has become unhinged around AI and the media gets AI alarmingly wrong. And uh, I don't know, I thought maybe we'd talk about this here for a moment. So first I will mention Linux Academy, linuxacademy.com slash coders. That's the one with the S. You go there, you sign up on the Linux Academy platform, and you can learn more about Linux or any cloud platform that you might want to get into. We were just talking about AWS. They just did a big refresh on AWS Lambda. It is the best training content in the world for AWS Lambda right now. They put so much energy, time, and effort into this, and they staff up. It's part of the story that they don't really talk about very much. But when they start getting dedicated to a particular co- content or topic or courseware, they they bring those people on as full-time employees that have a salary and benefits and an office space and are part of the team. And they are paid to become and stay experts. They bring people in like... Uh, from Amazon, they've they've hired people directly from Amazon. They've hired people from Rackspace. They've hired people directly from Microsoft, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They go to experts. They bring them on and make them part of the team. And that's a massive investment. And then they're there to invest in that content, to make the best AWS content, to make the best Azure content, to make sure that the Linux, the Linux essential stuff is top notch. That's their whole job. And that's part of your value. That's just part of the value with the Linux Academy subscription. So go to linuxacademy.com slash coders to sign up for a free seven-day trial and support the show. linuxacademy.com slash coders. So they say that we've been talking about AI wrong fundamentally for decades and that we've been doing, we've just been getting it wrong and hyping it up, that we've built up these massive expectations and that it's time to tamp it all down and that we need to uh, re-hinge the conversation around AI and that there needs to be closer interaction between journalists and researchers so that way they can the, the media can write about it more appropriately and that we should reconsider what we think of as AI. Like Google search is AI and Spotify search is AI. It's not just things that are actually computating decisions or winning games or doing image recognition, but it's a much broader thing. AI is any kind of assistive, intelligent technology, they say, 
Um, and they, they say that we need to stop writing about big, scary AI, AI stories. And they point to Fast Company's story that went viral and spread across the Internet uh, that got a bunch of other publications going nuts that Facebook engineers panicked and pulled the plug on an AI bot that they developed in their own language. It was completely misinterpreted. And uh, it, it, the stories they write nearly resembled the plot of a Terminator movie when reality was much, much more boring and that the, all the media coverage was just really sensationalized crap. It was machine learning that had learned the wrong stuff. Uh, and that's really all it was. And that happens when you're doing this kind of stuff. What do you think about this? Is this conversation detrimental, uh, the current level of discourse around AI, or does it create the space for a market that then creates the products that live up to the hope? So it's funny, because I have obviously, you know, with Alice and with everything we're doing at the Mad Botter, although we're, we're doing a lot of aviation stuff right now, but I have been giving a lot of thought to this, and I'm actually reading a book called The Fourth Age by a guy named Byron Reese. Um, I put a link in the chat room. And it's all about this, right? Like possible outcomes of robotics and AI. I don't even know if I know what the word AI means anymore. Mm. Because like you described um, Spotify was one of your... Yeah, that was one right? of their examples, yeah. So they actually really do have, not in search, but in their yeah. uh, recommendation system, like some pretty sophisticated machine learning going on. Yeah, that's fair. But it's... You know, but it was right. Is machine learning AI? It seems like is, the lines have gotten awfully blurred, huh? Right. Is it or is it part of it? Is it a subset of it? Um, yeah. I don't like. So almost with the same with blockchain. I see a lot of basically like companies or startups trying to claim that things we've been doing for a long time, like you know, doing like I. I don't know if you remember, there used to be an open source package called Solar, which enabled you to do large database searches and hmm. fun stuff like that. I know of several companies who are basically using that, which has been around forever, and uh, calling it AI. Yeah. <laughs> which I, I am actually not one of, like, I, I, I think it's, I think AI is actually more hype than blockchain. I think it's way, blockchain I don't get it, but it works, right? Like you can tell that there is a functional technology there. I mean, what AI products actually work the way you would like them to? I mean, there are some things in labs. Um, what's that robot's name? Uh, Sophia, I think. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the Dr. Sebastio or whatever it was? Mm, yeah. Does this ring a bell at all? It's an old DOS program. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I should, you know what I should do is I should go get a clip of it because that was so classic. Do you remember that thing? Like that old, like, and that is described. I was looking it up. They described that as an artificial intelligence speech synthesis program that was released in the late 1990s. Oh, I'm sorry, late 1991 uh, by Creative Labs for all MS-DOS based systems. And it was really a design of speech. It was really an example of speech synthesis and all of that synthesis. Um, uh, but it, it was very much considered to be AI. It was AI. I, I, I think, I wonder if this, let's see. Let's take a rando clip of it and uh, let's see what happens. Dr. Spatzel, my creative labs. Please enter your name. Yeah, remember this? My name is Dr. Spatzel. I am here to help you. Say whatever is in your mind freely. Our conversation will be kept in strict confidence. Memory contents will be wiped off after you leave. So, tell me about your problems. 
and then it would you would give it a series of responses and it would just sort of yeah, you could say thank you, and then he'd say like, "You don't have to be super polite." Like, there, he would give you different responses. You could, you could swear at him. Concerned about my help, so, and, you, and he would try to be clever and give you different responses. So, uh, we've been really kind of hyping this for a really long time because that came out in '91, and you can find references to artificial intelligence back to the early '80s and probably before that. But that's what I found. So. I do wonder if maybe we should dial it down a bit and just like uh, like we need like a we need like a bubble popper, just like the like people came up with uh, the cloud is just another name for other people's computers, which it kind of immediately is a, a hype deflator. We need that same kind of thing for AI, like a like a go to slogan that sort of just immediately deflates the hype. I think that would be useful. Hey, before we run, I know we kind of ran out of time because we were going to do a quickie, but uh, you you teased last week. Uh, and I wanted to talk about it this week, uh, is you've been spending some time in Qt Creator, and I just wanted to give you a little space to talk about that because I've heard really good things. And I've heard that it's a pretty solid environment. You know, it's a it's a cross-platform integrated development environment for writing Qt applications. I've heard a lot of good things. So I'd, I'd love to hear your, like, a quick take on it. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably do more on this next week. Uh, but, you know... I have this uh, thing I'm hope- hoping to come out with in the fall um, that is basically an application that needs to run on Windows and Linux, uh, not, not Mac, although it certainly theoretically could. Um, and I started off like taking a look at things like Platform Uno, uh, UWP, although I quickly dropped UWP because obviously not going to run on Linux. Xamarin, again, wouldn't run on Linux, but there were... Things evolved, and I got into the space of this piece of software has to integrate with some pretty low-level components. Uh, they're actually avionics components, and all of the the stuff basically I'm using. Like uh, I'm using, I think we've mentioned it before, ZMQ, which is a, uh, a basically communication protocol, is like C-based, right? And I don't know, I'm an old man. I kind of miss like not using high-level languages, although I know C++ is a high-level language. So I took a flyer and I downloaded Qt Creator. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going with that. It's pretty good. Now, there's some things. Uh, the Honestly, the worst thing about Qt seems to be the IDE. If you're used to like a JetBrains-like IDE, you know, they have one called C-Lion uh, for C and C++. It is a little lacking. But I found overall the development spirit is pretty good. Um, and this is going to sound a little crazy, but in its simplicity, right, that it's just C++, it's, you know, it looks in your user slash include headers, whatever, on your Unix system. It's nice to not have quite the level of abstraction that I've been working in recently, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. So you'll maybe uh, share a little more. Uh, yeah, maybe share sure. a little more. Uh, maybe next week. More next week. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Well, I'll uh, I'll give a I'll give it a look too. I'm curious. So very teasy of you, Mr. Dominic. Very very teasy of you. Well, I hope your travels go well, and I hope the rig arrives in time for those travels because that's obviously a uh, <laughs> you know a bit a of a yeah. It sounds like if you're not getting your packages, it could be a bit of a problem. But in the meantime, uh, tell folks where they can get more Michael Dominic in their life. Uh, follow at Dumanuku on Twitter. I like it. I like it. In fact, I'm going to copy and say follow at Chris Elias. First, go get the Dominuku. Go get them. Just put them in, put them in your follow list. 
maybe just set as your homepage. And then once you're done, once you have at Dumanoko in your Twitter feed, maybe consider adding a little Chris Lass in your life. And if you got some room, I mean, I don't know how busy your feed is, but we also got at Jupiter Signal. I'm just saying. Could be pretty great. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of the Coder Radio Program. Links to stuff we talked about over at coder.show slash 320. And you can find our live time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, irc.geekshed.net for our chat room. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of the Coda Radio program. And I think there's a pretty good chance we'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>